And welcome into the Rinkwise Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Marinofsky, alongside the great, the wonderful, Patrick Donnelly. Pat, what's up? Wow, great and wonderful. You get uh, two this week. Yeah, well, nothing much. We're almost to the end of the regular season. Can't believe how fast it's been. Um, it's, been yeah. it's flown. It's like, it's flown, but it also still feels like we have so far to go. It's a weird yes. feeling. It is. We're recording this Thursday, February 22nd, so there's still a couple prep regular season games left. There's obviously the prep playoff week, which is next week. I'm always in awe of how they do it in one week. It's just like a sprint. Game Wednesday, game Saturday, game Sunday, boom, boom, and then it's just done. But then MIA continues, so to all the MIA fans listening, I know you're probably a little bit annoyed and upset because the last episode was all prep. This episode's all prep, but I promise we've got an all MIAA playoff preview after the brackets come out, coming out next week. So you will have that. And as the MIAA uh, high school schedule goes on for a long time. So uh, we'll have a lot of time to do things with that. Um, but we're going to look at the prep playoffs and we're going to take a look at where we see things again, it's a couple days before it comes out. I don't expect a ton to change on the boys' side, girls' side. It's pretty much set one through six. I'd even say Tabor is probably pretty safe. Mm-hmm. Um, the the one the one we're all watching is St. Paul's big win over Proctor. They they hung on to eighth. And I misspoke last week. I said they played Proctor and they're idle until the brackets come out. But they actually have the Lakes Region playoffs this weekend. Uh, they have Tilton Friday. And then I assume they play another game on Wednesday. Um, New Hampton, I believe, is playing the third seed in the Lakes region. If don't quote me on that, I would need to double check. But I mean, St. Paul's. So yeah, sorry. New Hampton has Kimball Union, and then presume the win- winners meet on Saturday before brackets come out on Sunday. So we're all watching St. Paul's. They lose on Friday, and it's, it really comes down to I guess Choate and Groton or Groton, excuse me, and the for the outside looking in right now where both of them hung in it with wins. Westminster's kind of dropped out. They tied Berkshire, Groton leapfrogged them in the JSPR. So really it looks like it's down to those two. Groton's going to need some help though. Choate plays Cushing, I believe. St. Paul's obviously has Tilton and potential another game on Saturday. So Groton will need to win and need help from a couple other teams. Choate needs to win and needs help from Tilton. And if St. Paul's advances, potentially New Hampton or KUA. If they want to sneak in there, but otherwise I would say one through seven, the elite eight eight is pretty set. It just comes down to where everybody's going to slide in. And obviously there's still some jockeying going on in the large and small school tournaments. Yeah. And on the boys side, I would say the elite eight's pretty set looking at it now. I mean, as we stand St. Sebastian's tied Lawrence Academy on Wednesday night, Dexter lost to Holderness, Dexter's path to, to the elite eight. They had to win out. They lost against Holderness, but Sebs did tie Dexter still is a very long shot. Um, Belmont Hill is a long shot. I expect the Elite Eight it is today, which is one KUA, two Cushing, three Brunswick, four Avon, five Holderness, six Salisbury, seven St. George's, and eight Sebs. I expect that to hold. In terms of the large and small school brackets, we could see some movement at the bottom in each one. But we're going to assume, we're going to make the big assumption, because the way the week is next week and we want to we want to preview things, we're going to make the assumption that things are going to hold the way they are. And we're going to take a look at different matchups throughout the Elite Eight, 
small school, the large school that have our attention that might be interesting. We're not going to go so far as to make big predictions. That's all for next week. We're going to save those because, you know, Pat, we keep record of the predictions. We do. We do. We have a record. So when it's we'll do it after each round or before each round. And we'll predict those matchups. And like last year, it was, I forget what my record was. It wasn't bad. It was pretty good last year across like all for for the boys across the elite eight, small school, large school. It wasn't bad. I was surprised. So now I'm looking, I'm like, oh my God, I got a, I got a reputation to hold up here. I don't know if I can go out on a limb because I'll say it, Pat, and the elite eight for boys, I wouldn't mind picking an upset or two. And they're hard to pick because they're all, all the teams are good. And I'm curious to hear for you on the girls side, but we'll start with boys on today's episode. Cause last time we started with girls, I want to start with the boys and we'll start with the elite eight. I know we did a lot of elite eight on the last episode, so I don't want to spend a ton on this, but as of today, Thursday, and I guess as it holds like this, Kimball union would play St. Sebastian's a one versus eight. Cushing would play St. George's Brunswick would play Salisbury. Avon would play Holderness. Pushing St. George's, as much as I like St. George's and think they're a really good team, they haven't played a ton of uh, higher-end teams this year. I, As much as I've mentioned them as a sleeper team, the more I saw Cushing, I saw Cushing play KUA last weekend, the more I look at that Cushing team, the more I have a tough time thinking St. George's pulls that off. So I'm, if, that, if that matchup holds, I would probably go with Cushing, I don't see that as a huge upset game. Avon Old Farms and Holderness, again, Holderness, that's it, it, a four versus a five. So I, I, that's not really like a huge upset. Brunswick and Salisbury is interesting because those two teams played at the end of the regular season and Brunswick narrowly won. So I wrote this at the time. That happened with Milton and Belmont Hill last year. Milton won the regular season game, kind of embarrassed them a little bit. Belmont Hill won the won the playoff game, embarrassed them a little bit. So that's an interesting one. I think that's Salisbury could easily win that just as much as Brunswick could. I don't look at that as a huge talent differential. The one that I'm looking at is Sebs and Kimball Union. Again, Sebs has basically snuck in the last few weeks. Sebs was very up and down. I wrote about them. You and I talked about them. Not finishing number one like we had them at the beginning of the year, but still there and and still finishing admirably. I know they would have liked to have had that win against Lawrence Academy, but I would, I don't know what my prediction would be. I would err on the side of Kimball Union, but Sebs is good. And I could see that Sebs Kimball Union game being like 6 4, 8 6. Like I could see that just being a shootout. Yep. And if Sebs can do that, Sebs can hang. Like if Sebs can real, like if Sebs can make that into. Just we're pouring pucks in the net and you're pouring pucks in the net. I mean, to me, to beat KUA, you, step one is you have to find a way to shut down that top line of Sadowski, Simmers, and LeDrew, which is a hard thing. Not many teams have been able to do it. Even when Cushing won, those three still put up some numbers. They're a great, I mean, I, I maybe they're probably the best line in prep, but Sebs has Casey Mutrin and Matt Cataldo and Ben Merrill as a top line. And like even Teddy Mutrin has slot slotted in up there because he's back from his knee injury. So if you could cancel those two out and then go mano a mano for lines two and three, and maybe Sebs has a shot there. I don't think that's as as lopsided a one versus eight as we usually have. I think that that is a close matchup if that holds. So I don't know if I'd pick Sebs, 
but I'd be inclined, I'd be intrigued too. And I don't think that's just because we put them on the cover. Like I, I think they are an interesting matchup there. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, talk about back from the Maranowski jinx. Um, <laughs> they've they've returned, even though report. I did for the game I did show up to. They lost or they tied. Excuse that's me. True. So I guess they're still hey, there. Reports of their demise greatly exaggerated, okay. but I think exactly what you were saying, like a eight to six barn burner, six four five three. Like I think that's the type of game they would need to beat KUA, and if yeah. they advance Cushing, if Cushing beats St. George's, um, and so on. That's just the. Those teams, it's just the type of type of game you'll need to play to to, to beat them because they're just so good everywhere else. But we know Sebs has the firepower to keep up with anybody, and so that's that's kind of what I make of Sebs. But you know, St. George's, I I I know like Cushing has the edge probably about everywhere, but Ryder Shea going up against Marco Bilic would be maybe the best goalie matchup of the season. Oh, uh, I th- yes, yeah. I, I didn't and, even mention that. Yeah, yeah. And we talk, we talk about how do teams make runs? How do teams just make some noise in the postseason? It's the goalie, and if anybody has that at St. George's, obviously Cushing has a lot more around the goalie. So I, that would be like the the glimmer of hope for St. George's, I would say, because you could just totally see like a one nothing, two to one goalie battle there. Absolutely. And I think that's that's what that game's going to have to be. And I think if St. George is going to win that game, they're going to need Shea making like 45 saves. And I think yeah. he can do it. And and I and what I will say is like St. George's, I've said this before, is big up front. They've got some big guys. So you do have that. You have some great puck movers on D and Marco Sinertia, Everett Baldwin, Nathan Walsh. So that can help you in transition, things like that. But yeah, I mean, that's why, like, I'm looking at this Elite Eight, and I, like, there's no matchup where I'm like, oh, the clear winner is this one. Like, th- the closest would be Cushing and St. George's. But even that's, like, as as we just said, there are reasons St. George's could pull off the upset. So I don't, like, there, again, there's no matchup that I would confidently be like, this is the team that's going to win. I would put my money on this, and I, and I think that's a good thing. I think you want that. Last year... Cushing and Avon were clearly the top two teams. They were in the final. It was an awesome championship, and it was awesome that happened. This year would not surprise me if we've got lower seeds in the championship. I know Belmont Hill made a run two years ago. I think they were like a five seed. So, yeah, it wouldn't shock me if the Elite Eight this year is different seeds than one and two. It also wouldn't shock me if those are the two seeds. So we'll see about that. Moving on to the large school tournament. Very interesting stuff. Nobles was in that number eight Elite Number eight spot in the Elite Eight, but lost to Belmont Hill on Friday night in a big upset at Belmont Hill. And Belmont Hill kind of kicked him out of that. Belmont Hill still, I think, technically at the time of recording has a little bit of a shot at the Elite Eight. I'm guessing they're going to be more of a large school team. So right now, as of recording, a number one Nobles, two Belmont Hill, three Lawrence Academy, four is Dexter, five is Deerfield, six is Kent, seven is Berkshire, eight is Andover. The, the teams at the bottom, Deerfield's been in the mix all year. Kent, I think, is the sleeper. I think Kent had a roster that was good enough to be in the Elite Eight, just hasn't fully worked out. I know the goaltending's been here and there, iffy at times. So to me, that like th- them at six is going to be a tough match. It would be a tough matchup for Lawrence, but Lawrence plays really hard, and they play up to teams. So you have to have that. Andover's been in the mix all year. Berkshire has been a really cool story this year under Kevin Sepiel, his first year as head coach. In terms of those matchups... Like, I think the big one to watch would be Lawrence and Kent, just given 
what Kent can do. Kent is really have a lot of college, a good amount of college commits on that roster. I don't know if you saw this. Gio DeJulian is an NHL draft prospect with Kent, and uh, his grandfather, I did not know this, is Gary Thorne. And Gary Thorne went to Gio's senior night, and they were playing Canterbury at Kent, and Gary Thorne, being the legend that he is, said, I'm hopping on the mic. So Gary called the game. Someone tweeted it. I So we're doing the TV show for the draft prospects, and DeJulian is in it. So I was like, hey, do you have any videos of yourself you know, playing hockey? We need some. And he's like, my look at this. And I was like, wait a minute, is that Gary Thorne? Like who No way. And if it is if it isn't, someone's got a great voice. Like we yeah. gotta get this person to the big leagues now. And it was. It was Gary Thorne. And he was calling the games. I'll send them to you after we record this. But pretty hilarious. And he's I mean, my God, talk about an iconic voice. Yep. Like that dude can call a game. So that was awesome. But maybe he'll hop behind the mic. For when Kent plays Lawrence, if that matchup continues. So that would be the matchup I would watch in the large school tournament where, like, you could see a real potential upset. Again, 4-5, like Dexter and Deerfield. Dexter's been really good of late. So I would probably err on the side of Dexter. And, again, a one versus an eight's always – Andover's been really cold to end the year. So I don't know, like, if that's feasible. But, yeah, Kent Kent would be the team. It would not shock me if when when – March 3rd comes around, we see Kent at the championships at Harvard. It would not surprise me. And then in terms of the small school, some obviously some smaller schools, duh, small school. Rivers is an interesting one. Rivers, very young team. We've talked a lot about them this year. They're kind of out of the Elite Eight picture, but they've firmly placed themselves up at number one. They've had some really good wins. They're on a four-game win streak. They've won uh, six of seven. They beat Belmont Hill, St. Mark's, Middlesex. So to me, Rivers should do pretty well in that tournament, even though they're young. I think that makes it tough kind of playing them because you're either going to get a young team that doesn't play well or a young team that's just going crazy good. So I think that's going to be a tough matchup. Pomfret, though, Bo Johnson. Every week we do the top performers. Senior goalie Bo Johnson's been the top performer the last two weeks. He's been outstanding. So maybe he goes on a little bit of a run. I don't know. Why not? Despite, yeah. Everybody loves an upset, Pat. We know this. So that wouldn't shock me. And then in terms of like my sleeper team in the small school, I'm picking Frederick Gunn. Frederick Gunn was in my rank top 10 rankings of the beginning of the year. We did a podcast with Craig Badger. That team has a lot of veterans. Alex Laguercio has been scoring a lot lately. They were not good in the middle of the year. The Marinovsky jinx was in full effect on Frederick Gunn. They had a tough middle of the, of the year, but they've rebounded well in the back half of the season. And they position themselves well. I mean, they'll play, if things hold up, Groton, who has an awesome goalie in Ethan, Ethan Raminetti. But I still think Frederick Gunn, kind of holds the advantage in terms of everything else. So they're a team I would watch in that small school as like a five seed that could potentially go on a bit of a run. I saw Middlesex this year. I know they're a seven seed. I liked them. Thought they had a really good first line. If that can get them on a little bit of a run as a seven seed, maybe it can. Canterbury, they would play in the first round if things stood up right now. So again, Canterbury's a really good team. They've had a really good season. Ryan Lucciarelli just committed to Sacred Heart. So... I would expect in the small school, the higher seeds to kind of advance, except for Frederick Gunn. I know there are five, so I would expect them to move on. But in that large school bracket, like, wouldn't shock me if some of the lower seeds moved along for that. So that's what's always fun is seeing which teams 
move forward, obviously, and and those smaller seeds. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on like the smaller, large school fields uh, if they were to end right now. Yeah, I mean, so what you're saying about Kent, like I could, you know, like we said, it's kind of a roster that's been kind of laying in the weeds a little bit. Maybe not the way the regular season should have gone for them, but we know it's like it's a roster that is good enough to win something at the end of the year. And so, yeah, like like you said, I would watch that. And Dexter too, like you said, like would have to win out to get into the eight. Obviously, it's not going to happen now, but that's some fuel to head into the large school tournament. You know, a little bit of a wounded animal. And then you know, like we talked about last week, where you get a team beating another team right before the tournament. That's sort of bulletin board material. If they if they meet in the playoffs, if the chips fall and you get Nobles and Belmont Hill in the final, that would be appointment viewing. And then the only thing I have on the small school tournament is sort of like just the dichotomy we've sort of harped on all season of you need the goalie, you need the veterans, but then there's Rivers with all the eighth graders and all the youngsters. And there's two ways that can go. You have all the young kids who are, I don't know if naive is the right word, but it's sort of just reckless abandon. Like we're going to go, we'll just win the thing. And the, 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 oh man, what if we lose? Or like this man, this is such a great team that those like fears, maybe not have crept, might not have crept in yet as they would maybe a junior or senior who's kind of got a couple more kicks at the can left. Yep. So I think that's just really interesting, just sort of dynamic to watch. Yeah, or or they could just be inconsistent, or they could not yep. show up, right? Like, yeah. and that's been the case. They've had. I remember watching them at St. Mark's. They gave up, I think, five goals in the first period. Like, but then they the, they won the rest of the game. To, I mean, they didn't win the game, but they won yeah, the yeah. final two periods. Like that could happen. I would not be surprised if that happened. Um, but again, I and I think the tough part for Rivers in that small school bracket is Canterbury's older, and they've had a very good season. So I would I wouldn't count them out. St. Mark's isn't as deep as they were last year. Uh, so St. Mark's was the number one seed in the small school last year. They just missed the elite eight, but they were missing Gallant and Calvin Beard with injuries. So they, they actually lost to number eight. I think it was New Hampton in the first round last year. So they're not as deep. I, St. Mark's should do something, but I still, I to me in the small school, I look more at Canterbury. I look more at Frederick Gunn and I look more a little bit at Rivers than I would a St. Mark's. But again, like, St. Mark's has strong senior leadership. Guys like Austin Borgard, Andrew Gibbons, Calvin Beard, John and the Balzarini. Like those kids have been through it. They're they're good senior leaders. Do they kind of will their way through the small school bracket as like one final push? They could. It would not surprise me if they did. I think that's why they're a three seed. So uh, yeah, I mean the small school that, and then as we said with the large school, like Nobles and Belmont Hill, as you said, would be an awesome final. Lawrence won it last year. Lawrence was in the small yep. school bracket last year. They won it. But I think Nobles and Belmont Hill on that would be an awesome one versus two matchup on the final day of the season. Just given the history, given that those teams are rivals, given that they're nearby. So you have the two fan bases that can converge on Harvard. So, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm looking at in terms of the the playoff seedings. Again, no one was robbed from the Elite Eight. I think the best eight teams, if they stand, are there. As I did the rankings every week, and I did the Elite Eight forecast last week, there was no team outside of it at the time that I looked and said, man, they should be in. Kent is really the only team that I thought would probably be in at the end of the year and isn't. And I look back at last year's Elite Eight forecast, and it was it was more up in the air last year. The final couple seeds were a little more going on the final weekend up in the air. I think Kimball Union was kind of further behind, and they ended up being the eighth seed. St. Mark's fell out of it. 
if memory serves, but I don't think we're going to have that this season. Let's go to the girls. So we've talked about the Elite Eight, but I, I want to touch on it again because there have been new developments. Where do you stand on uh, the girls' Elite Eight field? Yeah, so, I mean, it's the same eight teams as last time and when we did our forecast and really at the start of the month. I mean, Nobles and Williston, it's far gone conclusion. They'll be one and two. Andover and Loomis last night, maybe one of the most important games of the season. That oh, title yeah. probably now shifts to Deerfield versus Loomis on Saturday. That was the de facto battle for the three seed last night. Andover wins three. They'll pretty much finish three. Then you got Deerfield and Loomis where Loomis loses again and Kent wins. Maybe Kent can sneak sneak back into the top five. And Deerfield was, again, like I I said this last week, I think, maybe the toughest finish of any Elite 18. They had Wilson last night. They'll get Loomis on Saturday. Loomis has dropped two of four. They're kind of shaky in where they're going to finish, at least in the Elite 8 picture. It's not not an easy finish for Deerfield, who has kind of had a rough stretch of their own, too. But to take Williston to overtime last night was huge for their just footing in the in the picture. So they're four right now. You got Ken at six. Loomis obviously dropped to five. Tabor, I shouldn't say I'm surprised they're back in it, but it's kind of like some of the teams we were talking about on the boys' side where they struggled so much in the in the middle of the season, kind of right in those dog days where January they they were one four and two to start January. Oh, um, yeah, not not good. <laughs> wow. And they and they really kind of struggled for some offense there, like a lot of two two ties, two one losses. They lost to Willison seven to one. And but end of January through now, they've been awesome. They've only lost twice, right up there with Andover as one of the hottest teams in the region right now. So their sort of resurgence in the middle of the season has been really cool to watch. And so again, like kind of like we said, all eyes are now just on St. Paul's this weekend in the Lakes Region playoffs. And it's basically what you were saying, where we did our forecast last week. I've been just checking in this week, and there isn't really any teams there that you're like man they should be in it Choate's had its ups and downs even though they're right there Groton it's a it's probably a pretty slim chance because you look at it's it's the same thing as the pairwise you're looking at opponents win percentage opponents of opponents win win percentage it's complicated Um, yeah opponents win percentage is under 500 for for Groton so it's it's kind of like maybe a little bit like Rivers where they've kind of racked up wins here but maybe not the toughest schedule that's probably the thing that hurts them the most but you never know. Slim chance they could sneak in if they get a lot of help. But that's that's where things are at with the Elite Eight. Again, I think Tabor is so interesting because, again, they had some offensive struggles. Goaltending's been a little up and down, but they're so strong on defense with Adeline Piskowski and Caitlin Sullivan as their sort of top two. And then up front you have Lizzie Greeley, Ayla Abin, Whitney Dacko, all of them having awesome years, even Juliana Gafredo. So it's, and it, it's again, it's they've they're a team just kind of capable of of anything here. Because last year they beat Nobles in leading leading into the Elite Eight, Feldman in the Elite Eight. It's obviously tough to beat Nobles twice at any time, let alone well, yeah. last year. But you, they're they're capable of some wins like that. So I think they're maybe the biggest team to watch. And sort of what we talked about last week too with Kent. They're they're hard for me to get a read on. I can't get a great read on Ken, especially because I haven't seen them this year, and they they haven't played as many games. They're like eleven three and two. They've played far fewer games than a lot of the elite eight. They're, I think Ken is also super interesting too, just because of the unknown factor, at least for me, 
there's probably plenty of people out there who've seen Kent Moore have been, oh, you're, you're, you're missing all these things. But you know what? there's a lot of teams to watch. There's a lot yeah. of teams out there. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the then, then you get into the large school tournament. You go Choate, Westminster, Thayer, BBN, Dexter, and Exeter, who Exeter is really interesting because they were on fire at the start of the season. They only had one loss before the holiday break, but they really struggled in the second half. But they've kind of recovered a little bit of late. They've snuck back into that sixth seed. Oh, and, wow, they did. Yeah, they really Oof. struggled. Fell completely out of it. But they, they've snuck back in. But not to cut you off, but you know who yeah. that was on the boys' side? Loomis Chafee. Loomis Chafee was in yeah, the Elite Eight like a couple weeks ago. And I remember um, in your out. top ten, they were in there. And now they're not in the tournament. Oh, they're gone. They're not in the yeah. tournament. I mean... And that's, it goes to show like what a little, I mean, the season's not super long. A little stretch can kill you. So I think that's like, but I'm glad to see Exeter recovered. Yeah. And, and sort of the same thing, like you look at Dexter where they really struggled at the beginning of the year, going into the holidays and kind of right around New Year's and they've come on, they've had a really great second half overall to get back into the large school tournament and be a factor. Same thing with BBN, tough start, tough December, start of January, but they've been pretty good of late. So those are some teams kind of getting hot at the right time, especially if you look at BBN and they get Thayer, who just lost to Nobles nine to nothing the other night, lost to Groton six to two last night, and they are just decimated by injuries and illness right now. They only had thirteen skaters against Nobles. It was kind of I I, I was disappointed because I really wanted to see Thayer at full strength against Nobles. Could have been a yeah. little bit of an upset. It was it was kind of like watching a Pee Wee game where there's Kids the select, occasion. <laughs> yeah, there's the select team that has a full lineup versus the town double A team that has yeah. two lines and two pairs. So that was that was unfortunate. But like if they can get healthy or even if Morgan McGathy can just carry them to victory, that I think Thayer and BBN would be really interesting to watch. And then Westminster, like we talked about, was right there at the Elite Eight. I think they're better than they've shown in the second half. Things just haven't fallen the right ways for them. Same thing with Choate. So, I mean, if those two, I think, would be two Elite Eight caliber teams potentially meeting in the large school final, that would be a great game. And the only other thing with the small school tournament is Cushing has come right back into it. They have had a, a great February, only lost twice in February. They're 6-2. and oh, two. Wow. After a rough December, rough end of January. And same thing with Rivers. Rivers has been pretty hot lately, too. They haven't lost at all since, I think, January 27th. So Rivers wasn't when, at the, I don't know, two weeks ago, when we were doing our biggest storylines to watch at the end of the regular season, I said, here's what it would be like if it, if it would start today. Rivers was nowhere close. But now they're the third seed in the small school tournament. Interesting. So, yeah, just kind of, and they're really interesting, too, like the boys, where I believe, I believe they're super young too. A lot of freshmen and I think some, yeah, I'm looking at the roster now, a lot of 2027 grad years playing significant minutes. So, and again, it's a team I haven't seen a whole lot this season at all, really. But one of those teams where you're just getting hot at the right time. You never know. You know what's, you mentioned the getting hot at the right time. And this, I just wrote this down in my little notebook. It wouldn't really apply to the Elite Eight because the Elite Eight teams, I would say the top like five, usually have like only a couple losses. So like if they end up winning the whole thing, it's like, oh, they were just the best team. Small and large school is interesting because that is truly, I think, where anybody can any year win. Yep. And I would love to look, both of us, and we don't have to do it right now. I would love to take a look at what's the last bunch of champs 
for the large and small school on the boys and girls side. What were their records in the final month of the season? Like it, cause you're right. Like these teams that get hot. I remember Lawrence Academy last year with the small school on the boys side had a rough year, but then in that final month really just found it. Well, last couple of weeks, really. And I'd be so curious to see, is it indicative of success in the tournament? I mean, we think it is. We know it typically is, but I would love to get a certain number. Like average winner went like five, two and one in the last month of the season or something. Like that would be so interesting to look at. Another thing that I, that I took from what you were talking about, Deerfield. And this goes for a lot of the teams in the Elite Eight for the girls right now. Deerfield's schedule is, you mentioned it is pretty crazy. You look at, yeah. uh, you had Andover, they were at Andover, you had St. Paul's, you had Westminster, you had Williston, you have Loomis coming up. I would be so curious because obviously teams make their own schedules. You want to play good teams at the end. How does that impact your tournament hopes, right? Like playing all those good teams because it does get you battle tested. I know Deerfield's probably taking a little bit of a hit in terms of seeding. Maybe you could be a little bit higher than you would if you were just playing teams that were okay but i still think kind of beefing up the schedule there at the end i think could really help deerfield because they're just used to playing all these really good teams right yeah i think it can go two ways too where you're battle tested you're confident you can hang with these teams but then if you don't come away with many or any wins against these tough teams yes, i think there's a big the seed of doubt of that can creep in once you're in the playoffs playing one of those teams again like oh we could have beat them last time so i think i think there's a double-edged sword there. Uh, but it's really interesting when you look at like sort of the RPI too. I know the RPI doesn't really matter for the JSPR and all that, but Chode is number six in the RPI and is currently on the outside looking in. They're like, I think ninth in the JSPR. So it's really interesting just sort of the the dynamic that you're just seeing at this time of year where Chote probably is definitely good enough for the Elite Eight, but whatever reason the the math hasn't gone their way at the end here. And the only other thing I would say for the small school tournament too is I think New Hampton and Groton if I mean that would be a rematch of last year's championship game, New Hampton could be an elite 8 team this year but they have like one one of their things is 15 5 and 6, so many ties. If they could have turned three of those ties into wins, what are we saying about them potentially being on the elite 8 bubble or even in the elite 8? It just got, kind of goes to show you how I mean, everybody says it in every sport, college, NHL, soccer, basketball, whatever, like how games at the beginning of the season, you don't realize, but just matter so much when you're yes. scoreboard, when you're scoreboard <laughs> watching it, like when you're scoreboard watching at the end of the season, like New Hampton tied Nobles. If, if that was a season opening win at Nobles, the entire season could have been completely different. Yes. Um, for, it for both teams, for several teams. Yes, and and I think that's an interesting thing that that every team you can look at, and there are, there are some teams on the outside about the boys and the girls large and small school tournaments who will not play in the playoffs, and it's they can look back, and go, oh man, remember that two one loss to this team or that, and and you just start kind of second guessing things. Another interesting part of this week, this upcoming week in the prep playoff world, is the college recruitment element. There's mm-hmm. some good uncommitted girls. There's some good uncommitted boys. And I think the good thing about for the girls, it's hosted at Nobles, for the boys, it's at Harvard. You get that exposure to a lot of the local schools. It's a central location. If you're uh, Vermont or Maine, let's say, right, like or or UNH, let's just use those three. Obviously, yeah, it'd be cooler if the 
tournament or one of the tournaments was in was in New Hampshire, like it was last year at St. A's, or if you're UConn or Sacred Heart, yeah, it'd be better if it was down in Connecticut. But the good thing is it's kind of equal distance from everybody outside of the Boston area a bit, where it's a central location for each. I think that's good in terms of exposure for, for, for these players. And I think it's a highly scouted event. It'll depend for the boys. It'll depend with NHL if there are any actual NHL prospects in any of the games and then NHL, um, scouts will show up, but there will be colleges there. Colleges always send their coaches. And I think having it at Harvard and Nobles is good. And I'm curious to sort of see like if so and so has a really good championship game. What does that do for their for their stock? We saw a couple la- uh, players last year who were really good. When and I don't know, like Owen Leahy comes to mind from Lawrence Academy. He had a huge game in the small school championship last year. Now he's not committed yet, but that really did start the oh like. And again, I came in in the fall of twenty twenty two, so maybe he was big before <laughs> I got there. Yeah. Maybe, but that was really the start of him. I noticed him a lot more and he was, he was outstanding in the summer and then the, this past fall and then this prep season has been even better. So I think it can really springboard guys. Uh, a good championship can springboard uh, girls and guys. So I'm also fascinated to see that element of it too. In terms, I mean, I'm we're not going to do predictions because I, I just, I want to save those for online. I want to save those round by round. I mean, like, Wait, we don't have to. Because I was gonna say, like, is there a team in any of the three brackets for the girls that you're like, I am so convinced they're gonna win? Because like, I don't think there's one. I don't have one of those for boys. I don't have one of those for boys. I don't think I have one of those teams for the large and small. For the small school, I would I would probably give the edge to Groton, just where how potent they've been. Um, mm-hmm. Especially Tina Scalise is a sophomore leading Groton in scoring for the third year in a row. That's a career, career that's high 45 points. Like, so, what's she going to do as a senior? I mean, that's yeah. what I'm wondering. Like, I mean, that's what, just what's one of next? Those, they have one of those top lines where it's sky's limit. Especially, we've talked about maybe hasn't had the strongest schedule. That, I mean, they, they can kind of take advantage of potentially some teams in the small school tournament. And then I, the large, I think, is is kind of a toss-up because we've talked about BBN and Dexter being so hot. They're feels kind of volatile right now just because of their health situation. And I mean, I would love for Nobles and Wilson to meet in the final or Nobles and Andover. That would just be such, such a good game. But I mean, it's hard not to, not to give the edge to Nobles just from, from wire to wire this season. They've been so good in every, every area of the game. And you can have four all Nepsat caliber defenders on the ice at all at, at any given time. Um, I agree with you. One of those, you know what I mean? I, it is interesting though, because, you know, Anya Zubkowska has been fantastic this year, obviously a great goalie, but she, she's seen a very small amount of shots compared to some of the other top, top end goalies we might talk about. So that's interesting. If you get into a bit of a track meet or a dogfight with one of these better teams, that that's kind of an interesting thing to watch. This reminds me on the boys' side of last year, Rudy Gimond, the Taft goalie. He mm-hmm. carried them. He 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 averaged like forty shots on on goal a game. He was a Yale commit, and he had an outstanding championship against Salisbury. They won it in overtime. It was a great, great hockey game. He stood on his head. He was outstanding. He ended up getting drafted by the Red Wings, and like that was, I think, one of those performances where it's like, oh, like he's that good. So, and I agree with you, and this is another thing that we can work on in the offseason of like, what is better for a goalie, being on the top team or being on a middle tier team where you're facing 
as many shots as humanly possible. That is something that I think you, like, we could debate. We'll probably have goal, like, Brian DeCord will come on here and probably give, like, his opinion. Everyone's got a different opinion on it. Yeah. And I think that would be a really interesting debate at some point. I think it goes for both girls and boys. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to take anything away from Anya Zubkovska. Obviously, she's no, a great goalie. And Nobles has only given up 16 goals this season, which is <laughs> incredible, insane. It's like a plus 113 differential. Just crazy. I just think it's something, a little little interesting thing to watch, especially if you get a team throwing the kitchen sink at her through traffic, rebounds, everything, how she handles it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then on the boys' side, in terms of like, I mean – I think Cushing is really good, but Kimball Union's right there. I think Cushing's a little deeper. I've said this before. So I I don't know if I can sit here and definitively say, after watching both those teams play each other last weekend, I can't say like, oh, Cushing's the winner in that one. The only team on the in the Elite Eight bracket that I am that I think could be susceptible to like an upset, not even an upset, because a four versus five matchup is you know, it is what it is, but like Avon. So Avon's cruised all year. And then recently lost to Frederick Gunn in overtime, needed overtime to beat Deerfield, lost to Salisbury five to one, needed OT to beat Pomfret the other day. Like that could be a sign of a team that maybe doesn't go as far as it did last year. I don't know. I mean, they, they, it's John Gardner's teams do well. They won it last year. Like they easily could be in it. So again, but they're the only team that I could be like, Oh, I could see them bowing out early if they did but there's no team in the elite eight that i'm fully confident is going to win the whole thing last year i was so like cushing is winning this and they came close but didn't in the large school kent as like a six seed i could definitely see making a run and then like lawrence academy's old and plays hard so they belmont hills a, a very young team nobles is younger than lawrence i think in terms of like their best players are younger than lawrence's best players Lawrence knows how to win. I could see Lawrence making another run to the championship again. And then, but again, Lawrence would play Kent that first round. So I don't, I, it's one of those teams. And then in the small school, like Canterbury, I could see doing some real damage. I'd have a tough time picking against them. And Frederick Gunn, I think Frederick Gunn could go really deep. And they went to the large school final last year or small school final last year. I'm getting them all mixed up, but they went to the small school final last year. So, I don't have like an old, in any of the brackets. I don't have one team. I'm like, that's the team. Cause you never want to pick one seed. Like that's, the, yeah. that's the one thing. Like it's too obvious when they, they go down too often. So I, I don't want to be caught picking a one seed, but I still think that there's a lot of good matchups. It's going to be a fun week. We're going to have a lot. We are going to have a lot of stuff from it. Predictions, previews analysis, schedule posts. So if you ever need to see the schedule, who won what game, we got it all for you. So it'll be really good. Uh, but before we go, Pat, as always, our great producer, David Yaz, our great and wonderful producer, David Yaz, excuse me, great and wonderful, David Yaz, with Overtime. Yes, welcome back to Overtime, where I throw out questions to Evan and Pat, sometimes of just a fun, fanciful nature, sometimes a grueling battle to the finish. I don't know if this is going to be a track meet or a shootout, Pat, but we're going to have a contest here, and we've done this once before, Evan. It is the Minor League Hockey Team Name Quiz. Uh-huh. I think I I think I have 
all new questions, but if I don't, then forget what you learned the last time, Evan. I'm sure you've already done that. I've already forgot it. It's <laughs> already happened. It will be three questions apiece, and it's multiple choice. So, and just keep track of your own scores, kids, okay? First question will start with you, Evan. You just need to pick the actual name of the minor league hockey team that comes from Georgia of the following. Is it A, the Macon Marbles? Is it B, the Macon Mustangs? Or is it C, the Macon Whoopie? Oh, that's a good question. Well, thankfully, it's only three choices. No D, all of the above. We, there's none He's of that. Stalling. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Macon Whoopie. I don't know what a Whoopie is, but I'm going to guess it's C. Well, shame on you for not knowing what that means. But yes, congratulations. It was the Macon Whoopie. See... A generation before you knows that making Pat, do you understand the play on words here? I do not know. Oh, you're both terrible. Making whoopee is a euphemism for having sexual relations with someone. You're making whoopee. You get it? Oh, my God. Oh, you're too, so I didn't young. Know that was the thing. All right. I love minor league teams because you can just get away with stuff like that. that anything. Yeah, that's what makes that name so hysterical. By the way, some of these teams might be defunct, but there were teams at one time. All right, Pat, this this team hails or hailed from Atlantic City. Is it the, of course, New Jersey? Is it the Atlantic City Dice, the Atlantic City Boardwalk Bullies, or the Atlantic City Kings? I'm going to roll the dice and go with A, the Atlantic City Dice. And you would be wrong, I'm afraid. Ah, it is the, the oh, that would be so great. Boardwalk Bullies, great name for a team. Four years? They only lasted four years from 2001 to 2005. We go back to you, Evan. Pick the name of the actual minor league hockey team from Maine. Is this one the A, the Lewiston Maniacs, the Lewiston Lemmings, or the Lewiston Big Maples? Well, so I'm going to go with a certain answer, and it, it, it's either a, they named it this, or you were just struggling for a second, uh, for a third name, and you put them together. I'll go with the Lewiston Maniacs. That's correct! Can you believe oh, it? Wow. Lewiston Maniacs. <laughs> and for those of you watching on YouTube, you can see, did a third grader create that logo? I oh mean, with, with with his his first graphic computer program or whatnot? Okay. Evan does have a commanding lead, but Pat, it's not over yet. Pick the actual name of the minor league hockey team from upstate New York. Is it the Adirondack Chairs, the Adirondack Teddy Bears, or the Adirondack Frostbite? This is tough because <laughs> the Teddy Bears are, is so insane that you just, I mean, I'm going to go with the Teddy Bears. I think a minor league team would just call themselves Teddy Bears. I think that would be a great name, but they, they did not. Ah. No, it, it was the Adirondack Frostbite. Ah. That was a close and second. And I believe that was a team owned by ESPN, partly owned by ESPN, Steve Levy. And I think that I'm not so sure that team exists either anymore. Evan, pick the actual name of the minor league hockey team from Louisiana. Is it the Bossier Shreveport Mosquitoes, the Bossier Shreveport Bosses, or the Bossier, it's hard to say, Bossier Shreveport Mudbugs? I will go with the Mudbugs. Wow. I can't believe how good you are at this. Dang. I haven't won any of these. <laughs> I wish I could have had this luck when I was taking tests on things I didn't know in in school. Pat, pick the actual name of this minor league hockey team from Illinois. Is it the Rockford Raiders, 
the Rockford Files or the Rockford Ice Hogs? Oh, this one's a layup. It's the Ice Hogs. Yeah. That's correct. And on Pat the saves him face at the end. And we'll do one more just for kicks. This was going to be the extra credit question. Pick the actual team of this minor league hockey team from Estero, Florida. There are six choices on the board. The Florida Hooligans, the Fools, the Rink Rats, the Ice Melters, the Everblades, or the Swamp Skates. You'll each get to pick. Pat, you get to pick first. And then, Evan, you have to pick something different. So, go ahead. I will go with the Everblades. Everblades? And I Evan? have to pick something different? Yes. <laughs> I'll go with, you know what, Swamp Skates. Why not? Okay. Well, Pat was correct. It was, in fact, the Everblades. Did you know? Have you heard of that team, Evan? I have. So yeah. I, oh. but I, I want the team name to be Swamp Skates, so I'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, I made that one up. <laughs> That's I, I kind of like the sound of it, though. You can add you can add ice skate or rink to anything, and it's there. You got yourself a minor league hockey team. Well done. Technically, Evans the winner, but Pat, you'll get him next time because the, the the audience is rooting for you, Pat. I have a feeling. Yeah. So we'll see. The they board. are. They are. Yeah. <laughs> Back to you, Evans. Close great. things out. Well, yeah, as, as always. Thank you very much, Pat. That was great. Better luck next time, my friend. You got to watch more minor league hockey. That's what we're you, you going to do. Once the season's over, watch more minor league hockey. I did know the Rockford Ice Hogs. I did not know any of the others. So there was that. But, I thought they really should have been the Rockford Files, which is also a reference that's probably lost on you guys. It wasn't those a it, TV show of the 70s? Oh, okay. I wanted the Adirondack Chairs. That's what yeah, I wanted. Yeah, see that? It really <laughs> should name. be the Adirondack Chairs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have like a mascot that's like fully a chair. Yeah, um, just a chair sliding up there on the But anyways, that's for this episode of RinkWise. We've got a lot, stu- a lot of stuff coming. That's Patrick Donnelly. I'm Evan Marinovsky. This has been a Siemens Media production produced by the great David Yaz. You RinkWise listeners, go have a great rest of your week.